Welcome to another edition of the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Randy Zellia from BackSportsPage.com, and thank you for making us a part of your week here in the world of professional wrestling. You see who the guest is this week? The hashtag AllFather, Mr. Darius Carter himself, joins the show. We're going to get to his interview in just a minute. Don't forget to follow us on all of our platforms for the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. We are on all the podcast platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, give us a subscribe, give us a five-star review. Tell us if you like what we're doing as far as the great interviews of professional wrestling that we do. Again, thank you very much to the staff, Alexis, John, Andrew, Jamie, Alyssa, and the rest of the staff here at the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. Austin, I can't leave out Austin. Can't, uh, so thank you guys for all the hard work you do. Don't forget to check out We Are Wrestling, where we'll be sitting down with the great stars of We Are Wrestling roster, Pete Rosado and the rest of the crew. But for right now, let's meet one of the crew members, Mr. Darius Carter. Hashtag Allfather. All right, now we got it going. We're back here on the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. And there he is, Mr. Darius Carter, a guy we've been asking for months to get on the show and Pete Rosado finally gave in and uh, and helped us get him. And he's uh, he's here with us live. And it was funny. We were just talking before we went on the air about the the way you're able to find the camera and that look of disdain you have. Man, it's such a heelish look, and I love it so much. How long have you really worked on that uh, that part of the uh, of your performance in that in that sense? Uh, and that, I mean, I love the, the starter question because uh, you do so many um, of, of interviews and podcasts and you like to hear things different and see where people's minds are coming from. And for me, it's always it's always actually been natural. Um, I think that I always had like a or I, I came up into a, a theater background um, You know, I was in the drama club. Uh, so in high school for a few years. So, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like those were always natural parts of me. Um, I feel like I've always been emotionally in tune, um, you know, so I, I feel like, you know, smiles and, and, and grimaces and, and snickers and things like that. You just you, you just you have to feel it. And I've never had uh, really an issue feeling, you know, as you grow older, you, you think more and you apply logic to emotion. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, I think emotion was always there for me. I always had a had a fine grip on that so it's just reflecting that and and, and showing that and, and and what's funny too um andrew fumi who's our producer he, he was the one who said you know we should really get darius on the show and then i got to start watching some of your work and we had the opportunity to see you back uh in richfield park with we are wrestling uh during the summer with pete rosado and and i gotta tell you man and I, i've seen a lot of your intergender matches i also saw your match against riddle and you, you're very versatile um, how, how important is it in today's wrestling landscape to be versatile and be able to take those chances, especially at a time where maybe intergender matches may not be the most popular thing out there? How what what's your mindset and what is your take on taking those types of chances? I feel like you have to. I feel like there's so many different markets out there to cater to, and if you can show yourself. In, in that light, and, and I think that's how things like Paris and bu Paris's bumping came up, um, and, the, and my involvement in a lot of those shows, the LGBTQ shows, and, and things like MV Young's uh, uh, Polyam Mansions, and things like that. It's showing versatility and showing that I can exist in any of those 
universes. I can exist in any of those realms and I'm not out of place. You know, you you see that I can wrestle against just it, really any style, whether they're a high flyer, whether it's going to be a luchador, whether it's going to be a striker, a brawler, someone who, of course, can can technically wrestle. I mean, that's the first match you're going to put me in there against. But putting me against any of those uh, uh, flavors, you're going to see a different side, a different element of Darius Carter. I don't approach every match the same. I mean, there's always going to be certain moves, certain things that I have in my head uh, going into the match, my you know signature maneuvers or whatever. But when it comes down to it, every style is different. And if you're not adaptable to it, then it's a hole in your game. And if it's a hole in the game, in your game, you have to no one to blame but yourself. You know, you have to be ready to face any and all types of styles. And I think a lot of wrestling has kind of had kind of been flavorless a little bit. I think that a lot of it was running together. A lot, you could watch six, seven matches in a row and you're like, OK, you know what I mean? It's like it just feels like it's a river running. And I feel like recently over the past few years, there's been a resurgence in terms of trying to bring some some flavor. And I think the pandemic helped in so many ways. Uh, and, uh, and when it comes to wrestling, and I know that's not a, a thing people may want to hear, but it's really fleshed out different sides of wrestlers. It, it, it made you have to look into a different side of yourself. There's not fans anymore. So if you're going to compete on a show and there's cameras, now you really have to cater to those cameras more than you maybe usually did. Uh, because you would turn to the fans instead. Um, you have to be able to wrestle without noise, without uh, or without uh, a crowd to command it or to feed off of, and that makes you work on different elements of your game. Uh, and those are parts that I, I think I excelled at. I think I excel not just in working with the crowd, but in picking my spots and in uh, making my moments matter. Uh, and I think that I really got the chance to show that in this pandemic era, whereas maybe before a lot of, you know, my work, maybe it was running together with other people's work. Maybe there was a whole bunch of things going on. People were, you know, not paying attention, but now you, you had no choice because I've been doing this thing and I've been doing it at a high level and I'm doing it my way and it's catching your attention now. And not only that too, but like you were talking about, I, I spoke to a lot of different people on this podcast about the pandemic and how, what kind of adjustments they have to make and, what you just said before too is there's been times where people have been relying too much on the crowd for a reaction. So you have to be out there and be like, okay, there's nobody out here, but you have to think about the millions of people who are watching on, on, on a, whether they're downloading it on YouTube or they're watching it on TV. It's just the different ways of presenting yourself and the way you just spoke about on how you, ha how you took it as a challenge is so like, that's so awesome to me because a lot of people would probably be scared of like, well, it's the pandemic. I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to work on it too much. Because <laughs> <laughs> they think so. they're set because you think you're good. You're like, oh, you know, I don't need it. And, 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 and there's always the aspect of, you know, keeping being safe and things like that. But but that's something that we all have to do. We all have to, you know, uh, uh, make sure that you're uh, tested and make sure that you're uh, protecting, you know, not just your opponent, but yourself uh, and, and everyone around you when you're in those environments. But the whole point of it is, is a lot of people I feel uh, just, you know, there's maybe people that just are like, eh, you know, they just kind of threw their hands up and they're, and, and they're, your reason is the pandemic. No one's going to knock you for it. And I'm, and you can't really knock those people that decided not to wrestle during the pandemic. That's your choice. You have, you might have a, a, you know, family that you're looking after. You might have kids. I mean, you can't knock those people, 
But on the opposite end, you can't uh, avoid, you can't ignore those that were hustling during the pandemic. You can't turn a blind eye to them because we were carrying wrestling. We were, we were on the screen when other people weren't. And I was making debuts during the pandemic. I was, I was debuting, you know, different places at Camp Leapfrog for starters with, with the Christmas trios. And that was a big uh, promotion that was consistently on IWTV, uh, you know, month, month with monthly product. So all you're seeing is Darius Carter's face, you know, on a monthly basis. Um, and now you're forced to watch. Now you're seeing it in maybe ways that you were watching something else. As I was alluding to before, you know, now here I am, you're at home, you want to watch wrestling, you want to be on IWTV, you want to be on YouTube. Well, here I am putting out work that's right in front of your face. And you're going to be like, oh, you know, what? let me check that out. Oh, let me check that out. Oh, well, that was good. I didn't know he was, I didn't know he was like that. And it's like, dude, I've been around, you know, going on 12 years, but you're just seeing me now. And that's why you can't ever be one of those people that's like, oh, man, I've been at this so long. I've been at this 11 years, 12 years. Where's my spot? You can't be that person. You have to just keep hustling nonstop. My almost 12 years have been nonstop. And in your head, you you can wonder, oh, you always, you always want to be further than you are. That's natural. You always want to be ahead of where you are in life. But you can't add weight to yourself. You can't anchor yourself. And that's something I never did. I just take another challenge and take another challenge, improve myself at every facet of the game. And now people can't deny, I mean, I'm, I, I call myself now the most dangerous man on earth. And I think that's, <laughs> I, I think that's undeniable. I think I get in your head with the entrance. I get in your head before the bell rings. I get in your head with my offense. It's, it, it's all, it's all a game. And, and, and it's all about, I was going to say it's all about how you play it, but, yeah, but this is the truth. It really is. It's a, it's, it's a system and it's systematic and you have to be able to work it. And, and that's what I'm, I'm doing as we speak. So it's, it's enjoyable to see what's on the horizon for me um, just in the first quarter alone. So it's about delivering now. And that's, that's what I do. I, that's what I've been doing. So it's just Brian Keith, Brian Keith is going to get it. And that's the way that it's going to be. <laughs> you know, and it's funny too. The best I, I use this this expression with my staff uh, this morning. I think um, you play your music your way. Play your music your way, and it, it'll work itself out because you're it's it's authentic, it's organic, and it's natural. And you're and you're you you can grow it the way you want to grow it, but you're doing it your way. And that's and I think that's the key way of, of uh, explaining. It. But let's let's go back a little bit. What do you remember about first off about where you started training and what what memories do you have of your training where you did you have any moments of like um yeah that hurt and maybe I like am I doing this you know should I be doing this type of thing like your first couple bumps and also where did you go to your uh for your training Yeah no I mean there was there was never a question. It's like, you take the fall and you're like, you know, you got to get up or you take the fall and you got to lay there for a little bit and you got to you know <laughs> you got to suck in a little bit of air and you got to get up. I mean, yeah, that's never been a, a problem with me. I don't uh, quit. Um, it just doesn't exist when you really care about something. You know, you got to get up. You have to uh, continue. Even if you got to roll to the ropes and pull yourself up, you got to find a way up. 
you know, the ring is your friend just as it is your enemy. Um, and, and having that relationship with the ring is something too, you know. Uh, um, and that's something you get over time with experience. Um, you know, I started training uh, at BWO, a body slam wrestling organization, which was uh, actually two months after I got into college, which was September of 2008. So I started training in November of 2008. So it all was running together. Um, I was my college experience was shared with my introduction into um, into professional wrestling, uh, my intro into training, my intro into learning the business as I was doing what I was doing in college and setting myself up for, you know, for, for business. So it's just been a hustle that I've always been on. And, you know, you, you fall, you got to get up. Um, you learn so much, you learn so much. I mean, you look back at the person I was in, in, in 2008 and I was like, Oh man, kid, you know, you didn't know anything, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I was you know, in college too, man. When I was like a, if I can go back and see my see my eighteen year old self, I'll be punching my belt, myself in the face. Like, man, what were you thinking? All right, like wake up, man. But I was I was I was still for eighteen. When, you know, at the time when I really think about what I was taking on, I mean, I was really taking on a, a, a large amount, and I and I was and I was young. You know, it's like you got to be an adult at eighteen. You have to be, uh, and I mean an adult in terms of not just handling things at home, but handling things at work and handling things at school, and and then chasing this uh this passion of becoming a professional wrestler and hitting those cables uh, uh the misnomer of being ropes you know uh uh, uh you, you're hitting the cables you're hitting the, the the mat and you're you're squatting and you're running around the ring and you're doing all these drills and and, and they want you to throw up and you just you just keep going uh it's 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 the game you have to go through that that's so essential you know it's so essential to get you got to get grinded down and, and really uh, uh, pushed into the earth to know what it's like to pick yourself up, to, to slam your hands flat on the floor and press yourself, you know, from, from all the pressure that's on your on your back. And I, I've always thrived in those environments. I, I, as a human, I just feel like I've had to just, I don't want to say overcome because I grew up well, but I, I, I've always had to, to fight. I mean, to be uh, to be a, a black man, to be of an, a black man of intelligence, to be someone that applies himself uh, and and make and has to basically check over my own steps and make sure I'm not misstepping because people are waiting for you to fail. People are rooting uh, against you. It's just how it is. Whether it's envy, jealousy, people feel a certain way when you walk in a room. It is what it is. And you know, you got to make yourself, you got to, you got to move on. You got to make yourself better. You got to improve yourself. And, and that's what wrestling and training was all about. That's how I, I think getting into college and learning that while I started training, I think, although they were separate experiences, I think they kind of came together. And that makes sense because they were both embryonic periods. I was just getting into college. I was just getting into wrestling. So I'm learning two different things at once. And keeping them separate, but also learning the lessons from both so that I could be better overall. So it was a lot. I was taking on a lot, but I wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't change it for the world. That's just the way I am. No, no, that, but it makes you different. And I think different in the wrestling industry is what works. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and right now, especially in the wrestling industry, obviously WWE and AEW um, are the main stages, but you also have 
Impact Wrestling, which is slowly rebuilding, MLW, which is uh, going to have a TV deal. Obviously, we don't know what's going on with Ring of Honor. We'll see if they rebuild the, their company and come back. But it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, and it's also a great time to be a wrestler to possibly get opportunities. And like you said, you've been working hard for 12 years, and you're starting to pay off. Where would you see yourself as far as your next opportunity is concerned? I mean, my next opportunity is where my next opportunity is. I'm always one of those people that is looking to the next thing and ready for the next thing, but that next thing could come from many directions. Just as we said, we have a lot of options. We have a lot of uh, choices on the on the on the table. Whereas maybe you know three four years ago there weren't as many, and even no. then, were you where you wanted to be at that time? I mean, you know, sure. In in 2017, I was doing my thing, and I was I was. I feel like 2015 2016 was really where I um, not found my groove because I, I think I had my groove for a while, but I think that's where I was really getting to the next step and getting to the next level beyond wrestling uh, and just being there every month and other places that I was competing at. And I was getting around New York and building my name on the New York scene. Uh, that was all gradual. And that has, that's something you can't rush. You can't rush that. I think sometimes people just want to get to the next thing and they're ready to just go and go and get signed and get the contract. And it's like, there's so much more to wrestling than signing the paper. You know, you can wrestle. You got to think about the freedom of being independent. I mean, if you want to go wrestle down in Georgia, you can go to wrestle down in Georgia. If I want to go wrestle down in, 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 in Florida, I can. I mean, as long as you secure the booking, and you make that stuff work. But you don't have anything binding you uh, from making those trips. You know, I did two tours of the UK. Uh, the first was a week and the second was two weeks. And they were just they were two matches a day going uh, all across Wales and, and, and just just an incredible theaters wow. and things like that. Yeah, experiences. But this is this is what you can give yourself. You don't need a contract to do that. So I'm really about forging the best Darius Carter every day. And when it's time, it's time. And then we'll see who picks me up, who gives me the opportunity. I've always been a person of loyalty. So people that take care of me and genuinely take care of me get it back tenfold. You can see just about everywhere I wrestle, I'm a champion currently, or I was a champion at some point because I'm trusted. I make myself trusted, not just consistent inside the ring, outside the ring professionally, but I'm somebody that you know is going to deliver. And that's why I get put in these positions. So anywhere where I get to compete, they, you know, they, they bring me back or they keep me there and I become a, 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 a somebody. And that's, what it's about is who's going to give me that chance, who's going to offer the olive branch. And from there, it's it's all me and what I do with it. And my track record shows that if you give me the ball, I'm shooting and scoring. I mean, this is this is what I'm going to and it's going to roll back to me and I'm going to score again. That's that's what I'm doing. And I don't say that to be, you know, or to show arrogance. I show that. I say that to, to, for people to really look at the history books and to see what I, the, the resume that I've put out there for myself. It takes work. It takes effort. This isn't – I'm in the best shape of my life now, and I'm out here doing what I need to do, getting the reactions I need to get, having the matches I need to have. And now here I am with, with Brian Keith in his Northeast debut coming up next Saturday or next Friday, a huge, uh, you know, a match – and it's something that I have to, the eyes are going to be on me just as they're going to be on him. 
and, and this is what I thrive in. I thrive in high pressure situations. I thrive with my back against the wall. People say that, but then when they get pushed a little, they gas out. Me, it's it's not. <laughs> it's a lot of steak. It's not just sizzle, baby. It's steak, and it's 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 real. And I'm just I'm 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 excited for. I'm excited for people to see what I know and what people close to me have known for a while. I'm I'm glad that the doors are opening and I'm glad that the consistency and the quality and, and the determination pays off because people know I went through it, man. People were really trying to go against me and people really tried to hold me down and people still are, but it's just, it's, it's, it's almost weightless now. It's like, I'm not, you know, the anchors that you're trying to wrap around my feet, my feet are slipping through the, through the, through the rope. It's, <laughs> you can't hold me. You're, you're, that's how I have to be. And that's how I have to think. You're, you're proving them wrong and you're, and you're succeeding. And, and that, and the one thing that bothers people the most is there's two things that people don't like. One people, people don't like seeing other people happy for some reason. And then there's also people don't like seeing other people be successful. And with success, when with success, uh, draws um, hostility. I don't know why, it, but it, like you see it everywhere. When people are starting to get successful, people become hostile towards them. I don't know why. Um, Andrew Fumi, who's our producer, wanted me to throw this at you. I want to make sure I give him the proper credit. He wanted me to ask you what your favorite play or role that you acted in. Oh. <laughs> uh. Oh, you know what? I'd probably have to say, um, so when I was in theater, my uh, theater director liked, uh, he liked to pick plays that were a little less known uh, to the average person. Um, I mean, we did like Pirates of the Penzance. Like eventually we, we kind of got up there, but um, the one I really enjoyed the most was uh, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. And uh, <laughs> I, and I played uh, and funny enough, and it was my first it was my first play. And I played Dirtles, who was, uh, you know, uh, I, I basically kind of helped morph the character into, uh, you know, someone who kind of talked like this. And like uh, I gave him like his own little voice and uh, I, I gave him like a, a, a bit of a, 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 a drag step. So you'd walk with one foot and then kind of drag the other behind him. And I was trying to, I, I was showing the character uh, through body language so that people kind of, you know, I, I, we're getting this feeling of, oh, this this one's kind of a, a dweller, you know, a, a New York City uh, alley dweller type. Um, I, I, I feel like I kind of turned the character and, and kind of like tried to put my own touch on it um, because it was a named character, but it wasn't the... Uh, you know, it wasn't one of the top premier uh, uh, focal point uh, characters. So I wanted to make them different. And there was a point at the end of the plays where uh, you were able to vote for basically, it was because it was a love story. So basically you were able to choose the two uh, people that would fall in love at the end. So they would do fan votes. And I, I don't think I was ever meant to win <laughs> <laughs> I don't think just the way that and I don't say that on me. I just think the character, the way that Dirtles was, Dirtles wasn't really meant to be the love mystery type. But I ended up uh, 
connecting with one of the, the main characters, and it was, and we had to sing it, and we had to sing it on the fly. And I did it in my my character's voice. I didn't actually try. I didn't actually belt out sing. I sang it in my character, and it was uh, and it was Perfect Strangers. It was, and it was. Oh man, I haven't talked about it in so long, so it's kind of hilarious. But um, I did it in the voice, and people. It was a fun. It was a fun time. Like I, I knew what the character was, and I honed in on that. I was. It's not like oh, I'm gonna come in and, uh, you know. I don't want to say be the best actor because you're still acting, but I knew who the focal points were meant to be. And it's not about stealing it from them. It's about delivering your character in your own way. And the fact that I was able to make him memorable uh, to people to the point where they voted for him at the end when I, that really wasn't a top five character, um, maybe six, but not, <laughs> not. So it was, um, it was cool, and that was a fun little play, man. I feel like we all had a good time. The The drama club was a great club for me because it allowed me to give me a place to really fit in because I was always very social when I was young. I was a social butterfly, so I had friends everywhere. I had the emos, the jocks, the nerds. I was I was connected with everyone, and that's I never got in fights because people – I was always cool with somebody from every end so I never had to get in the middle of it. I was just like, all right, whatever you guys were fighting about, I was never involved. So I was just cool with I just had uh, you know, friends and connections with everybody. And I think that is just a that's just who I am. You know, I don't pick and choose based off your your status or your class. It's just if I connect with you, if we're cool and you can understand where I'm coming from, then 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 we can we can make this thing work. And uh that was that was a lot of fun. That's a good question because I haven't talked about that play in I've never talked about it on a podcast or an interview. And I haven't talked about it in a long time. But yeah, the mystery of Edwin Drood and I was Dirtles, and you could look it up and look up Dirtles, but and imagine me playing it the way I played it. But you know, I guess that attributes to wrestling too, is you you play your role and you make that as big as you can and, and you get someone's attention, you get the right person's attention. Next thing you know, you're in the finale. You know, singing a love song to the main character. Like, but the thing is, though, with your character that you're you're doing the ring, it, it it's so it's so perfect. Like, just a quick little funny story. Andrew and I were at the We Are Wrestling show in Ridgefield Park, and you were in the main event. And my stepson, who has never been to an independent show, was ringside with us, and he is sitting there. Like getting up, I had to keep an Andrew will laugh because I kept pulling him back because he kept on going over by the ring and kept on slapping the ring while you were in the ring. And at one point, you just got had this look on your eyes and you turned to him and you just went, Shut up! <laughs> and he just looked at me and he goes, He just told me to shut up. I'm a little scared of him. And he sat back down and he didn't say a word or get back up for like five or six minutes. And he looks at me and goes, Is he really that mean? I said, I'm sure he's a lovely man. Watch the match. <laughs> <laughs> I am a lovely man. Mean is, uh, you know, uh, mean is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> yeah, I, I told, I told him. I said he, I said he. It was in the heat of the moment. He didn't mean to tell you to shut up. You know, you know, we, he just didn't want you to get too close to the ring because he didn't want to hurt you. And that's and that's how we left it. But it was just the reaction. He just had this look. He's like, 
he told me to shut up. He's, 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 he was really mean. I was like, I'm like, he did. And, and I'm like, I'm sitting there saying to myself, he did his job. He did it, and he did it well. <laughs> so, um, got him to stop slapping the mat, didn't I? <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> yeah, you, res uh, you respect the ring when I'm in it. But the funny part was when you when you ended up, uh, you know, taking the one, two, three. He was jumping up and down. I was like, man, what's going to happen the next show when you start cheering him? I want to remind you of that. <laughs> so, mm. oh no, you won't. Have, I'll remind him just fine, and then you'll be uh, bringing him right back to that chair, <laughs> watching watching the product like the rest, as they as they uh, should be. Yeah, that was and that match with Trisha Dora for the Pan African World Diaspora Championship. I wanted that. For such a long time, I wanted that championship match, and I wanted to match against her. So I'm glad that it came together in the same sitting. And I mean, listen, I'm still the only person that's pinned her in a uh, Pan African World Diaspora Championship match. I pinned her successfully. One, two, three. The footage exists. The championship was raised over my head, and I was announced as the new uh, World Diaspora Champion before it was criminally taken from me. Um, you know, you know, I got to be honest, thanks in part to distractions like your stepson. You know, that's not, you know, these are things that, <laughs> these are things that all factor into a, uh, a tumultuous uh, defeat. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to redeeming myself there. And, 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 and not that I have to redeem myself because, I mean, I, I really won in not winning, but Brian well, Keith is. Whew. Well, I, I will tell you the, the next We Are Wrestling show, which is next uh, Friday night. I think it's next Friday night. Yeah. Next Friday, next Friday yeah. night, yeah, Ridgeville Park, New Jersey. We will be there. Uh, we will be doing some uh, some live broadcasts as well from the uh, from the show. But you know, I, I want to just ask a couple more questions. Uh, when you were watching wrestling as a kid growing up, who were your favorites? Who did you sort of model some of your uh, some some of you after from the wrestling world? And also, what was your favorite match growing up? Right. So, and it's funny because as I watched wrestling, I matured as I watched wrestling. So, you know. Yeah. And that's and that's and that's one of the most fun parts. I think we always ask people, well, who were your favorites growing up? But as you mature, your fav you you gain new favorites. Not that you lose your old ones, but you gain um new ones. So, Ric Flair was always my person, you know, just and and I believed everything that he did. You know, the the limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun. I believed it front to back because he exuded it. You know, he walked around, he had the robes. And if he wasn't in a robe, he was in a suit with the Rolex, with the shades. He always looked and talked like a champion. Even if he wasn't the champion, like even when he was in WCW, just doing whatever he was doing, he still felt to me like the best wrestler. I just felt like they weren't putting him in the ring because maybe they didn't want him to be the best at the time. But I always was all I was always uh, about Ric Flair. I think when you look at Ric Flair's history, that man has elevated more wrestlers than anyone in the history of the of professional wrestling. And it's whether you like or hate him or whether you think he whether he's your favorite or not. When you look back at the long list of people from the Magnum T.A. to Tully Blanchard to Sting to Lex Luger uh, to Ricky, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, all these people that he was able to get in there and, and just do do magic. And he, he always made it work. And that's something a lot of people I feel are still chasing. I feel like not everyone's able to do that because, you know, they do things their way. But and people will say, oh, Flair had his type of match. But the, the man could wrestle anybody and not just wrestle anyone. That person would become a star. Those are household names. 
Lex Luger, Sting, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat alone. But then you talk about Dusty Rhodes. I mean, that man for, for me was just all encompassing. So Ric Flair was what connected me to it. And then over time, I grew into the William Regal where I would see him in WCW and I was hooked with his matches because he always was getting the great crowd reaction. He was getting uh, hated more than anybody and more than the people that were on the, 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 the main show with Nitro and such. You know, he'd come out on Saturday night. And he would just, and I would always watch that if it was six oh five or whatever. And I catch that Lord Stephen Regal match, uh, and I, he always drew me to him. And then I learned more and more about him and him being in Japan and things like that. So having that th- part of Ric Flair, the elegance of Flair, and then that that same type of uh, nose in the air of William Regal, but the technicality of Regal versus the showmanship of Flair. So it kind of you know, you, you blend those things together and then ultimately, you know, you want to uh, exude that in your own way. Um, and I, I think I think your favorites will, will reflect in your work uh, if you really are committed to them, because then it, it grew into Randy Orton and watching Orton's maturity over the years. And to me, that's the best professional wrestler in the world today. And that's it's been that way for years. Uh, I think the pandemic era was just. A, a, a knock out of the park. And that's what I mean. There were some people that just really flourished in that time period, whether they were on TV or not um, hooked, hooked to that. And, and not having the fans there where you can hear him leaning in and, and whispering in your ears as he's, as he's mauling you. Those are the types of things I always enjoyed. I always liked that. Hey, look, we're in a fight. And if I can beat, if I can talk to you, talk smack to you while I'm doing it, why wouldn't I? I don't like you. I've made it clear I don't like you. Beating you up isn't enough. I want you to feel it verbally and physically and spiritually. And that those are the people I grew up on. And then I would look back and Nick Bockwinkle, uh, who was before my time, but I would see his work because Ric Flair would talk about him. So I, I looked at that, and then I was like, Nick Bockwinkle, another one. Just pillars, pillars of professional wrestling, of the sport, that without these people, the sport – there'd be a huge hole in this sport. Think of without think of evolution without Randy Orton. Think of how Randy Orton now, for example, has had the most pay-per-view matches and Monday Night Raw matches. We talk about that longevity. Those statistics matter. That means that you have not just credibility, you don't just have longevity, you have an undeniable legacy. These are the people that I, I look to and I say, Nobody can take anything from you. You could stop tomorrow, and there are people that will go the rest of their life, and they won't catch up to where you're at. And, 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 and you could live a whole other life after this. Orton could stop now and change careers. And there are people that will never catch up to that level of credibility that he created. And, and that's what this is about to me. I grew up on that. And, and they hooked me. And, and that's what I want to be. I want statues of Darius Carter. I want, by the time I put it up, by the time I put the code up for the last time, you'll be like, that. you'll have, I can have everyone say a different favorite match that they've had of mine. That's where I want to be. Just like you can say that about Flair, you can say that against uh, a William Reed, you can say it against Orton, you can say it against a Bockwinkle. You can ask a room and they can give you something different because that's how good you are. Uh, I mean, there may be one uniform answer, but, you know, like the, you know, when you look at Flair and you say, okay, this, that, but, you, those types of people, you'll hear several different answers. 
You know, it's like asking what your favorite Michael Jackson song is. I mean, you may hear certain ones over and over again, but then you might hear another one that might throw you off. But it's just as good as the other ones. That's how I look at things. You know, and it's funny too. You say Flair, and everyone says that Shawn Michaels was the modern day Ric Flair. But if you look at the guys like the Bret, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, and and, and I, I would say Triple H to a point too, because Triple H has the ability to help bring a guy up. Ric Flair made the stars, and the stars sustained. Whereas, if Triple H would work with, I don't know, I'm. I'm Drawing a blank with somebody. Uh, I'm thinking Shelton about Benjamin. Yeah. That's another one, by the way. Triple H, Triple H was a huge influence on me, um, you know, because I was, you, you know, we're talking 9, 10 when Triple H was coming up. <laughs> so uh, the 2000, the and I'm talking, you know, like that nine, that whole 97 to like 2000, 2001, and then everything beyond. But the point that I'm making is that you'll see the, the similarities in the people that I like. You'll oh, see, yeah. you'll see oh, yeah. the tying threads of the people that I idolized, and that's those. Those are the parts, the corners of professional wrestling that that make me yearn for more. I can literally never get enough, and those are people that have all built their own sort of legacy. These are unforgettable people, and that's that's. If you don't want to be unforgettable, then what are you doing this for? Are you just doing this for you? Do you just want to joyride and then after 10 years, you're good? After 15 years, you're like, all right, I'm good? Or do you want to be somebody that has to be named among the greats, that has to be mentioned? Whether I'm your favorite at the end of it all is irrelevant. If you have to mention my name, that's the point. Hey, your favorite wrestler wrestled me. Okay, good. As long as my name is coming up and that's where I want to be. And we're going to finish up in a second. I do have a, a couple more quick questions here for you. Um, you mentioned William Regal before. And when you said that, I immediately thought of not the William Regal we saw back in 07 or 08, but I'm thinking about those when, when he came back to WWE in 2000, when he was the general manager and the facial expressions that he would make, for example, like when Jericho did the P and the T type of thing and or when he was with Tajiri or... My my favorite one is at WrestleMania when Kamala was in his office, and you saw Regal's face just go have that like that just plain look of disgust. And and I think back to the couple matches I was able to watch of you and your character, and some of those facial expressions. You could tell that you're definitely a William Regal fan in that sense. And and, and, and I you know, please take that as a compliment too, because William Regal is well, oh. uh, you know, it's one you of know. the biggest compliments to, to listen. It, it's. It's a huge compliment. If you're ever compared in any way to to someone you idolized or or grew up on, come on, you, you know you gotta hum, humility is essential in this business. No matter how much you achieve, no matter how much success you accrue, you have to have humility. And even with people like Ray's Lighting who helped do my entrance, I'm always thanking them because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have those those lights. What am I going to summon them from the sky? I mean, these are things that you have to be grateful for the people around you, for the camera people. I've always had good relationships with the camera people, you know, because it's important uh, to know who's putting you out there because you're giving them something to capture, but they are capturing you. 
So it's all hand in hand. It all goes together. And that's what this business is. And I've always been business minded. So I think maybe it's a little intimidating to people because they didn't know about BWO or where I came up. I didn't come up under, you know, some uh, someone that's on WWE right now or someone that's on AEW right now. So I don't have that. I didn't, I didn't have that flag to kind of hang on. You know, I came up in BWO, which is a, a, a nice school that was in New Jersey, you know, that was running Hasbrook Heights. You know, they had, you know, they had Nunzio come on as a trainer uh, and they were the venue that when you watch the wrestler, there was actually the first match in the wrestler that you see was at the BWO school. Um, so that was cool. And my, and my, my trainer was in that Richie Rotten um, was in the crowd and helped set it up. So if you actually watch that movie back, that first match where he faces, uh, I believe Tommy with the spiky hair, um, yep. you'll see that ring. What, and that venue was the BWO venue. It's no longer there, uh, which is a complete shame. And I think BWO didn't, you know, at, from that point, they kind of fell off when they lost that venue. Uh, but, Man, you have to come up. You have to keep your humility. You have to realize what you've accomplished. And like, anytime I hear a comparison to a Regal, to a Bockwinkle, people say, "Oh, you know, you're the black Bockwinkle." And it's like, well, I want to be Darius Carter, but but to even be, <laughs> and I and I say that, but I say that, you know, seriously, but jokingly, because you get what I'm saying. But it it's an honor to be even thought of in the same breath, and that's how you know that your trajectory is on the right path. You just, you want to hear that and you want to, you want to earn it. You know, yeah. I don't want you to come up with a pen and paper and that, like you're, you're, I'm, I'm earning it. And that's what this is about. You know, it's funny too. One of my favorites growing up on the microphone was Bobby the Brain Heenan. I like, mm -hmm. And at the time when I was growing up, I, I didn't appreciate it as much as I appreciate it now. And the other day, uh, I was going through some old cassette tapes, and that shows how old I am. I still have cassette tapes in my interviews. And I found my second interview I ever did was with Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I found it. And I got, I'm like, I got to find a way to play it. I gave it to my brother. He brought it over to his studio, and he just digitized it. I'm getting it back tomorrow. And one, I can't wait to hear Bobby again. And two, I can't, I'm, I'm dreading on how I sounded back when I was 20 years old doing that interview. But, but, but like, my point of growth. One of the things that you put on your Twitter account, and you you know one of your, you make sure you make it public, is your status on the PWI. Uh, you know this this past year, number two thirty one of the of the top five hundred wrestlers in the world. How does that make you feel, knowing that one of the biggest national wrestling magazines is recognizing you? Oh man, that's the validation that I've. I don't want to say needed, but it was it was essential for me. You know, to the fact that you can go into a Walmart or a magazine store and you would see PWI and I've done it and I didn't go in there and take the picture. I know a lot of people will go in there and take the picture, but um, or at least I didn't post it. But <laughs> no, but I, 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 <laughs> it, it, it means everything because, you know, you got to think again, this is your life, you know, and I never stopped wrestling. I didn't take a year off or take months off. You know, I was always keeping myself in the game at least once a month wrestling when I was coming up and I was going to college working in my degree, you know, and dealing with the, the, the real job and the shoot job of working in business. So I was juggling all these things and you want to see success in every avenue that you're taking. You know, I didn't want to be good in one thing and the other two I was, eh, or I wanted to be 
great at everything. I wanted to be tremendous in school, uh, excellent in wrestling, and I wanted to be a top person at my place of work. So, you know, it's a lot to juggle, but to me, that keeps me, uh, that, that's, it's, a, it's like a perpetual flame. It's just my, the fire feeds the fire and it just never stops. It just keeps moving and moving and moving and to reap the benefits of that now. And then to realize you just keep going and it, the flame, the flaming wheel just grows and grows and more people see it and pe- oh, it's like, yeah, oh. You know, it's been, it's just, that's what it is. And you have to keep giving it and you have to, um, again, you have to take in that air to keep the flame going and you have to be grateful and you have to, you know, be proud of yourself. And, you know, for me, it, it's, 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 it has to keep moving. It has to keep progressing. And the business is um, improving in certain ways. There's other things where, where it hasn't improved, uh, but you have to be that improvement. You have to be the difference that you want to see. And that's why I've been talking about change for so long. And a lot of people use it as a window dressing thing. They say change and then it's the same old thing, right? But for me, it's really turning back the clock while also moving us forward, showing you, making the game better, making wrestling better and giving you those things that people have been missing for a long time. People have been missing something like Darius Carter. You don't get to see Darius Carter when you go and turn on the TV. You're not seeing something like me. So for me to have these opportunities to now project that to people and to show people what they haven't been able to see, that's the joy in it. That's the real kicker. And then when someone else sees it and they want to pick you up and then oh and now now your name is getting jumbled up there. Now people see what's going on and it's been in front of their face the whole time. Uh, and that's I think that's kind of been my life. I think I'm always a hardworking person. Uh, I'm always somebody that that tries to keep my 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 nose to the to the grind. And you know, sometimes the hardest working person doesn't get the most rewarded rewarded um but it comes in time. You know, you may not be the favorite at that point, but if you keep hustling, you become undeniable because you're the one who, who's keeping the place going. You're the one who keeps the flames rolling. So to me, it's, it's natural. And you have to, you just can't stop. You know, you can't even look back and say, oh, man, I'm tired. Oh, you can't. You can't. You can't because you could have been tired a long time ago. I've had plenty of reasons to be tired. I've had plenty of reasons just to say, you know what? Let me just go pursue business and let me, I'm doing more than fine with that. I don't particularly need wrestling, but my, my spirit needs wrestling. My mind needs wrestling. My soul needs wrestling. And, and, and that's what living is about. So I'm going to do this as long as I can, as great as I can, and, and show people, continue to prove people wrong. I'll be proving people wrong 10 years from now, 20 years from now. That's just the way that it is. Well, Darius, I can't thank you enough for your time. We're gonna be we're gonna be seeing you next week, and maybe hopefully you'll be able to come online with uh, come up come on live with us while we're at Ridgefield Park. I don't know if that's gonna happen because I know you're gonna be busy before the show and after the show. But hopefully you can stop over to the table, jump on the show with us for a few minutes. This has been a lot of fun, uh, and you know can't thank you enough for the time. And this this was great, man. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. No, it was it was a swell time. I hope I answered all the. Uh, uh, <laughs> questions uh, in entirety. Uh, I'm listen. It, I, I love this this sport. Uh, I will defend this sport. I am the protector of this sport, 
and just wait and see. All the things coming, all the things coming. My Instagram, my Facebook, my Twitter. Yeah, oh. check it out. Plug it, Mr. plug it. Plug at, it all, at, baby. At Mr. Darius Carter, I'm constantly posting, whether it's a story, whether it's a post, whether it's a tweet. You're always getting content. I keep you in the loop, in the world, in the stories that I am weaving. I just posted something the other day, and I said, um, you know, all the uh, feuds I'm managing, because you can see these little heads, these little avatars. I'm like, I'm, I'm managing more feuds. We talk about feud of the year. Let's talk about who's has who has more feuds in a year than Darius Carter. I'm, I'm creating beef with everybody because I'm hungry and because it's my time to sit at the table, candlelit, wine glass swirling, aroma in the air, butler. Bring me my cheese. Ah, oh. 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 And when you and when you say you're making uh, feuds and enemies, you're including my ten year old uh, stepson. So with that being said, <laughs> Darius, I hold on one second. We'll be back right here on the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast to close everything out. All right, that was Darius Carter here on the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to give us a follow on social media and a follow on all of our podcast platforms. We're going to be start going to some more independent wrestling shows and doing some live shows through uh, StreamYard and YouTube and Facebook. So keep in contact with what we're going, what we're doing. Give us a like. I know we've been a little sporadic for shows. We have a great roster of guests coming up for you here on the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. Again, I want to say thank you to the crew, Austin, Andrew, John, Jamie, Alyssa, we just have a great staff that's working behind the scenes to help make this great. So with that being said, we will see you next week with a big surprise on the Cup Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us at We Are Wrestling this upcoming Friday night. Not, I'm sorry, next Friday night out in Richfield Park, New Jersey. You'll see the live stream on all of our platforms. Until then, my name is Randy Zelly from Back Sports Page, and we will see you next time here on the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast.